Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Alex and I'm back in the UK for this, our 91st podcast. Um, I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Uh, by Daniel. Hello. And by Stu. Hello. Uh, but also, we welcome a new member of the team, Keza. Hi. Hello, Keza. Now, people who listen to this podcast probably recognise your voice because you've been on it before. Yes, I sound like a 13-year-old boy, according <laughs> you to do. a lot of you. Thanks for that, guys. <laughs> um, but now, uh, rather than just freelancing for IGN, you are part of the team. I am. I am the new UK games editor. Woo! Hurrah Yay! for you. Hurrah for me. What does that mean? It means that I play and look at video games and then decide whether they're ri- worth writing about. It's, it's, a, good it's a good life, and whether they're good or not. Yeah, I've been doing this for a while, but never in a full-time capacity for IGN, so it's new. So you've got to sit next to us a lot, week yep. in, week out. You oh, all well. smell. Yeah. Can we uh, still get away with cock jokes, or are they banned now? Um, well, I think that's up to Keza. I don't mind cock jokes, for God's sake. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think it's time to rise above the cock jokes. I think we're, we're right. funny jokes. That's fine. Funny cock jokes. Extremely funny cock jokes only. Absolutely. In podcast years, we're hitting our sort of late teens now, I think. So yeah. So we're moving away from that. moving away from that. Yeah, that's fine. serious discussion. Got to go to second base. So I'm moving on from that. I had put a call out for questions for Keza on Facebook. I don't know if our readers have caught up with our mental age yet, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll hit you with oh, the good. first one. I want quick fire answers from you, so uh, keep them short. Uh, have you guys got any information on the upcoming Dark Millennium Warhammer 40,000 MMO? No. Uh, what's being British like? Good. Keza, Although I'm Scottish, actually. I right. should point out to everybody I'm Scottish. That's still That's British. British. It's still British, but it's primarily Scottish. Stop British trying to build a wall between us. <laughs> Andy Whistle wants to know, what's the secret to your success? Hard work. Um, Mohammed Abdul wants to know why doesn't any of the British IGN viewers ever get to win the Daily Fix competitions? That's really not my area. Legal restrictions. <laughs> Legal restrictions. Legal restrictions. Um, Sean McCarthy wants to know does the games media have a responsibility to report on games that fail to be rele- released completed and end up having multiple issues from their launch only to be fixed weeks or months later? Yes, Sean. Uh, Gary Miller wants to know do you have any news on NCSoft title Blade and Soul? Not yet. Uh, Matthew Evans wants to know what's the favourite flavour of ice cream is better, pistachio or mint? Pistachio. Mint. Scott Kelly wants to know which bread is better, white or brown? Brown. White. Um, and Corey Denning wants to know um, what is IGN's secret for success? Cock jokes. Cock jokes. <laughs> IGN? Uh, IGN's secret IG- for success. Well, IGN's secret for success. Hopefully delivering good content and the kind of stuff that people want to read about. Uh, and Corey and Zamprogno wants to know if a quiz is quizzical, what is a test? <laughs> She's trying to get me to say naughty words on the internet. Okay, so that's all you need to know about Keza. Yeah. Um, before we talk about this week's news, uh, read feedback, etc., uh, I've been hanging out with a new friend this week, and uh, it's not Keza. A new Glitter? friend. It's Gary Glitter, yeah, exactly. We've been hanging out and you know, just sort of seeing Did he get excited because he heard there was a 13 year old boy on the podcast? No. Oh. Just checking. Anyway, no, in reality, it's uh, Ocarina of Time, which comes out tomorrow. A new friend. Surely that's an old friend. I said old friend. You said new friend. Oh, well, I meant old friend. Anyway, it's a new new take on an old friend. He's <laughs> had a, a facelift. Exactly. My God, it's an awesome game. And after, what is it, 13 years or so, it hasn't aged one bit. 
You've played, haven't you, Daniel? So yeah, I think it's incredible. Casual. I didn't. I wasn't that keen on playing it again because I played it when it came out with Wind Waker bundled in, mm. and I played it last night for ten minutes. I ended up playing it for three hours. It is amazing. Yeah. My last review for a non-IGN outlet was on Zelda Ocarina of Time. I don't think there is such a thing as a non-IGN outlet. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I've forgotten the parallel universe into which I have stepped. (laughs) Um, The first time I played Ocarina of Time, I was in hospital with appendicitis. And my mother had to sneak the N64 in so that I could have something to do all day. So, to be honest, I'm playing it under much more auspicious circumstances this time around. It would have been far easier if it was on a handheld back then as well. Indeed, you see? This but is just fulfilling the promise that it's originally had. No, it, it is, though. It's it, The great thing about remakes, I mean, people go on about money for old rope, yeah. but they're idiots because the thing about a remake is that it actually realises a game in a way that you yeah. know couldn't be done yeah. 13 years ago. So we've actually got a better version of Ocarina of Time, one that feels modern. You know, I'm, I'm really, it actually makes me really excited about the Shadow of the Colossus collection yeah. and all the other remakes we're getting because if we've got games that you know have their core and their, their, their setting and their... You know their ideas are that solid, and if you bring it up to a modern standard in terms of how it looks and how it feels, then we've we've got a really golden age, I think, yeah. on our hands. Well, that's it. If people are remaking movies left, right, and centre. I mm. don't think it's a bad thing to remake games, obviously, if it's the right game. And Ocarina of Time is definitely that. And Tom and Stu, I don't think you've sort of played it, have you? Haven't had a chance yet. yet. I'm really looking forward to it, though. I've only ever played one one Zelda game, and uh, I, I loved it. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to seeing what is apparently the best of the best. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think. So. In your review, that doesn't exist except in a parallel universe. I think you use the term remastered. Yeah, that's the thing. Which I think is more appropriate than remake. Because there's not, it's not changed. That's no. we should make that clear. It's not changed. It's just been um, the they've basically updated all the animation, all the all the assets. So yeah. how it looks has changed completely, and they've made it a little bit smoother, tightened it up a little bit. So it's like more a remaster. Yeah, it's yeah. like a blu- think of it as like a Blu-ray release of and a collection of Hitchcock yeah. films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not like a remake. It's not like it's not like going back to King Kong and remaking a, a longer, poorer version. Like making of that. it rubbish. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's it's. I think remastering is a is a great mm. thing to be doing. And it's a good idea, isn't it? If if the technology is there to to really improve what was a good game in the first place, why yeah. the hell not do mm. it? And uh, yeah, anyone who listens to this podcast, if you've never played Ocarina of Time, then this is the perfect opportunity to do so. It will change your life, I promise you. Mm -hmm. So anyway, this week's news. Uh, Daniel, you've got some uh, Cliff Blazinski groundbreaking news this. Um, Gears of War? uh, Gears of War? You know Gears of War? Gears of War. Never heard of it, but yeah. yeah. Xbox exclusive title. Yeah. Coming to the PS3. Oh, is that that thing with the, uh, you know, where you wave your arms about and do stuff? No? What? No. (laughs) Never mind. Doesn't matter. But That's anyway, connect, right? so Gears of War 3 is not coming to PS3. Surprise, surprise. Or any surprise. Gears of War. I think this was in response to um, Epic President Mike Cap saying at GDC that he'd love to bring Gears of War to every single platform ever. Mike Cap just loves to cause a stir. He yeah. just loves to do it. So yeah. does Cliffy, to be fair. Yeah, so... Loves the headlines. Yeah, I think this is, you know, this is something for fanboys to argue about. But it is a ridiculous statement because it is like saying, I don't know... Um, Breaking. Uncharted is never coming to Xbox 360. Zelda will never appear on Vita. Yeah. Betamax will never come to VHS. (laughs) Always grounded in reality there, Stu. And grounded in the present, the uh, (laughs) beating heart of technological pulse. Um, But that's basically it for the news story. Yeah, that's it. Why why did you report it then, Daniel? Because because I'm a big Gears of War fan. Is that right? Yeah. But you've only got a PS3. What, sir? You've only got a PS3. No, I've got both. He couldn't possibly be a big Gears of War fan (laughs) with only a PS3. Are you upset it's not coming to PS3? 
No, because I prefer the Xbox controller for shooters. So does Cliffy B. This is Cliffy B has basically brought this up about six times a year for about yeah. three years. How much he hates the DualShock. Yeah, he, he has, a, he has, a, little, in, he has he? a little dig at it as well, saying if they tweet the controller, then he would be maybe more amenable. What happens? Is do it, they just need to make decision? it a little bit bigger? Is that I think the, the triggers, the right? See, it's the made trigger, it, I think it's stick resistance. See, because I have tiny right. lady hands, yeah, I much prefer the DualShock to the Xbox controller. Much mm. prefer. Always have. And Japanese hands prefer it as well. I like asymmetric analogs, though. I don't like them being side by side. I like having one analog higher than the other, like on the old Wavebird. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, did GameCube pioneer that? Having the asymmetrical analogs? Uh, I think it might have, you know. I just think it works a lot better than having them both down there. I find that Because the original Xbox controller, the big bear one, had, you know, non... Had symmetrical analogs, didn't it? Yeah, that was horrible. Oh, awful controller. But that's just a personal preference. I'm not saying one's right. Or yeah. one's wrong. <laughs> but I think ultimately it's the it's the size and the triggers, right? It's yeah. Uh, yeah, I think whatever you're used to. But I've coming to hate my PS3 controller. Yeah. The triggers on the PS3 controller like, curve outwards slightly. No. no, you can get little things for them that you make them do that little okay. attachment. They, they just don't. Your finger same. slips off. Them. Yeah, there's, yeah. Like, there's not an actual kind of. Trigger there's not a trigger. There. There's not a trigger a, feeling. A well, there is on the, there is on the R2 and L2 buttons, but they don't feel as satisfying like you're pulling a trigger. They're more no. like because also if you're playing LA Noir and you haven't used it to accelerate, my, my finger's constantly <laughs> slipping off it and having to like readjust. Just it, to be fair, you were falling bits. asleep playing LA Noir because that's of your extreme true, jet lag. Yeah. It's probably because just you dropping the controller. Uncharted uses R1 to shoot, isn't it? Yeah. I played Dead Nation as well last night. Yeah, it doesn't use the trigger button, if we're calling it that. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah, Anyway, thanks, Cliffy B. Uh, In other news, um, uh, 2K Games, um, well, there's a bit of a shitstorm around uh, a tweet that came out this week. Uh, their PR firm, the Redner Group, um, got that's only in the US. It's in the US. Yeah. Yes. Ah, but there's there's more um, stuff emerging in the UK there actually is. this morning. Hang on a, in a that minute. Let me finish this goddamn news story. Sorry. So. Uh, after the kind of negative uh, reviews that Duke Nukem got after 13 years in development, um, someone from their PR firm tweeted, bad scores are fine. Venom-filled reviews, that's completely different. Uh, too many went too far with, uh, with their reviews, and we are reviewing whose games, uh, no, who gets games next time and who doesn't based on today's Venom. So uh, that was from an independent guy from this PR firm, but very quickly that was retracted. Gushing apology letter was sent out to various kind of media outlets, including to us. And I'm not going to talk about it here because it's not appropriate, but it was fairly embarrassing. But then the PR firm was fired later after. Oh, were they? Yeah, yeah. By, by 2K. Fair enough, and, understandable. And, and 2K came out and said, uh, 2K Games does not endorse or condone the comments made by the Redner Group and confirm they no longer represent our products. Because, it's just, you know, if you're not going to p- produce a particularly good game, then expect it to get bad scores. Mm. And it's, I don't know, the scores kind of varied from like, well, three, twos and threes to sixes and sevens. So it's quite a broad range, but at the same time. Yeah, but after 14 years in development, how, how good awesome been, would yeah. that game would have had to have been to get yeah. remotely good scores? People yeah. would have settled for an eight out of 10. To be honest, I think Duke Nukem Forever is possibly the most offensive game I've ever played and not yeah. in a good way. It's just, it's just, there's no redeeming features at all. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, as you said, Keza, um, you know, various outlets in the UK are being blacklisted on yeah. the, the on the back off the back of 
various bits and pieces. Yeah. Really? To be on- yeah, to be yeah. honest, though, as a person who's worked in the games media for quite a while, as have you, Alex, yeah. this is not that unusual. No. It's a great kind of unspoken secret of the games media that publishers will blacklist you. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, it doesn't really matter much because you can no. you can work around it very easily and they can't control the information. Thanks to the internet, yeah. they can no longer control information. So basically, it's the equivalent of a publisher having a little tantrum, stamping his feet yeah. a bit, letting you know they're a bit pissed off with you. But it doesn't really affect anything. It doesn't no. affect coverage. Well, you know, it's... We get it all the time. People like phoning us up saying, complaining about coverage that we've done, all this, that, and the other. But the fact of the matter is, like, we'll deal with it. Make a better game next yeah, time. Yeah, you live in the real modern world in which you can't actually control your PR anymore. No. So make good games. That's There's the message. No hiding place. <laughs> so, anyway, that's a harsh lesson uh, by the Redner Group. Just, just. Anyway, uh, Tom. Yes. Happier news. Well, it's mixed news, I guess. Uh, it's that Doctor Who is uh, has been recommissioned for another series uh, for 2012, which is obviously great news. No surprise there. But it's going to be split over 2012 and 2013, uh, and the speculation is this is possibly to con- coincide with Doctor Who's anniversary celebrations, which take place in 2013. Um, which would be the 50th anniversary of the show. Wow. wow. So um, they've commissioned 14 new episodes, but some will go out in 2012 and some will go out in t- 2013. Right. So it's kind of like we have, we've had a split season this year, but it's been split over two seasons. Yeah. Now it's, this season's been split over two years. God, that's a Which lot. seems kind of strange. Then not long after that we wrote that story, I actually updated it. Moffat wrote on Twitter saying yeah. that there might be some misunderstanding and a lot of people have been misquoting. Um, Danny Cohen, who's so the controller of BBC Right. One. So I think his quote here is uh, Doctor Who misquotes and misunderstandings, but I'm not being bounced into announcing the cool stuff before we're ready. Hush and patience. So it sounds like it could be for a good reason. Yeah. Whether um, we've got some bigger project plan, maybe some kind of TV movie or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It would seem strange that if they're on the 30th anniversary, 50th anniversary of the show, that they only put out half a season. Yeah. Unless yeah, they're doing I'm something. I'm sure they're going to do something bigger. Something really Presumably, big. Presumably, yeah, I don't know. Um, Did but, the, is there, does it say whether Matt Smith will be coming back for that series? Or? Uh, I think Matt Smith yeah, has been, signed on. Yeah, signed yeah, on for was, the next Twitter. season. Fantastic. Um, There's but, a, an interesting uh, thing here, though. If the BBC is splitting that season over two years, it's quite clever because uh, they'll get two lots of box sets out for Christmas rushes, won't they? They'll get one out for Christmas 2012 with the yep. first half in a box set. And then the following Christmas, 2013, they'll get another box set out with the remaining episodes. So they get double dips. But, uh, but again, it's, what, I tell they, you what, they're not actually giving much information away. It doesn't say what they'll be split by a year. It could actually, you know, it could come out in Christmas and then it could come out in Easter. Yeah. So the gap between them could be similar to what we're seeing now, but just at different times. What would be great is, is, is if they produce six TV movies in the year of the... Of the anniversary. That, that would be, be amazing. amazing. Like, yeah. That towards the end of David Tennant's reign, didn't they? The yeah. Longer episodes. Yeah. Which maybe that's what they're doing, but it's just speculation at the moment. Would you yeah. like to see some of the older doctors back as well? Is well, bound movies? to happen, isn't bound it? to happen. Yeah. yeah. Who do we? I mean, obviously, who's still alive? Who who would? Who well, I'll tell would you what. Do it? The ones that still look like they could do it are obviously Eccleston, Pete, Paul, Paul McGann would be good to have him Tom back Baker again. Can do it. Yeah, he doesn't look like Doctor Who anymore, though, does he? He looks like a really old man. Pete Davidson still looks the part. Yeah. Sylvester McCoy doesn't look the part anymore. Either does Colin Baker. No. So <laughs> and obviously David Tennant. But obviously David Tennant, Chris Eccleston, Paul McGann, they could all still do it. That interesting would be interesting if they... Have the, what have they done with the Paul McGann era, though? That, that That's only era. a TV era. It's still yeah, canon, yeah, yeah. though. But it, it is, is it? They, yeah. don't, they don't kind of... They don't no. kind of write it's it It's still canon. History. There's still, uh, like, uh, wider universe stuff around it, okay. like fan fiction and stuff like that. Okay, so, yeah. good. There you go. So that's Doctor Who. Daniel. 
Another piece of news from you. Yeah, um, the Wolverine, the the long sort of um, the the project that's been in the works for a while, which Darren Aronofsky walked off, has found a new director, James Mangold. Who's he? He directed um, Three Ten to Yuma, Walk the Line, and oh, yeah. Night and Day. It's yeah, a bit of a mixed bag, I think. So I I met him last year and interviewed him for Night and Day. Yeah, uh, and. He he is used to doing sort of more gritty stuff, but he made I think uh, Night and Day as as more of a as a favour to Tom Cruise I think so. Right. Uh, I think he knows his action. Yeah, and he's I worked think... he's worked with um, Hugh Jackman before on Kate and Leopold. Right. Have you seen Kate and Leopold? No. Time traveling romantic comedy. Wow. I quite like it. <laughs> is it good? Yeah. Oh, there you go. And it also has um, Liv Schreiber in. Right. So oh, Wolverine great. and Sabretooth. Sabretooth. Yeah. Battling out for the same girl across time. <laughs> Sounds um, amazing. It is. Sound it is. It's essentially <laughs> the same title as Wolverine. Kate and Leopold. Yeah. What a terrible title. Uh, but Carol Lamar, Benny and June. <laughs> yeah, but so, Kate and Leopold. Yeah. So what he's actually signed up and he's whereabouts is it in terms of um the production schedule? Um I think it's still on course for next year, but you know, whether they want to go and do the Frank Miller Japanese story arc and whether they can film in Japan at the moment, I don't know. Right. So I think a lot will depend on that. Um but yeah, there's one more piece of um, comic book related movie news. Have you heard this? That Russell Crowe might be cast in the new yeah. Superman movie as Jor-El. As his dad, yeah. yeah. He's in talks. So he's got talks. Kevin Costner as his dad on Earth and yeah, Russell Crowe. I can... Um, uh, Diane... Who's his Diane mom? Keaton. Not Diane Diane Keaton. Lane. Diane Lane, I think. Um, yeah, I can imagine Kevin Costner giving out sort of leathery homespun wisdom propped yeah. against the fence. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, shaping up to have the a, dreams. I can just imagine yeah, him. Yeah. It's shaping up to fence. have a great cast. Yeah, I it's think... just got Zack Snyder directing. Yeah, oh, that's the the one problem, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess mm. Russell Crowe has the girth of um, Marlon Brando, Brando now. Maybe you can just you know in that scene in Superman that Marlon Brando's actually reading his lines from it within the crib. Is he? yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a great scene. He delivers it well, and it makes me well up slightly when he's saying goodbye to Kal El. And sending him on his epic journey, oh, but he's, he's actually reading, reading the line. So he has all these pregnant pauses, but he's actually just reading the lines. Brilliant. <laughs> Have you seen this Blu-ray box set that's come out? Yeah. Looks has it nice. got this, the, the the other version of Superman two on it? It's got both versions of Superman two, and it's got the Brandon Ruth Superman as well. Hmm. So it's got all of them. All of They're them. are almost trying to distance that film and lump it in with those movies, are, which they? it is a kind mm. of sequel too. I yeah. Suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. I mm. think it kind of works well if you watch it after. Isn't Superman it an in between? In between call. In between, oh isn't it set between Superman two and three? What, sorry? Isn't Norman it set who? between Superman two and three? No, I no, I, I don't know. Okay, there we go. It's an in between call, though. I'm sure it is. You've just made go. that up. Last bit of news, Stuart. Yeah, you know, um, Battlefield three is coming out soon. Yes. Ooh, yay. Battlefield what? what? Sorry. Three. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. <laughs> so excited by that. that game. <laughs> That's shocking. Uh, well, there's been a bit of controversy this week because there's uh, a couple of different uh, pre-order packs coming out for it. Uh, the Physical Warfare pack and Back to Karkin packs. Yep. Karkin, heaven's sake. Uh, and what happens if you pre-order it, you get extra weapons and stuff. Right. And of course, there's been loads of problems online because people are saying, hang on a minute, if we go online and play this game and you've got extra weapons, you're going to kick the shit out of us and it's all a bit unbalanced and it's all a bit unfair. Turns out it's not a problem anyway. EA says the items that you can choose in the pre-order packs will not be overpowered or imbalanced or break the game in any way, and that owning these weapons will give you a more varied arsenal, but it will not give you a significant advantage on the battlefield. So this, everybody, it's fairly commonplace. This though, isn't is now, it? I think, part of the DLC strategy for most people. You yeah, offer yeah, your yeah. pre-order customers something that everyone else doesn't have, as long yeah. as it's not horse armor, and no one gets upset. Like Red Dead did it. 
Red Dead um, did it, yeah. And like, depending which different outlet horses. you bought it from, you had, yeah, you different stuff and uh, kind of like crack shot and all these different abilities. So but do you think it's fair? Of course it's fair. Well, I, I think- do you though? Because if you, let's say you were a mad keen Red Dead fan and you wanted everything you could get on day of release, do you think it's fair that you have to go around and buy different copies from different retailers oh, to get well, everything well, you, you want? Well, I, I, the stuff that you get is never game-changing. No. Usually. It's normally costumes and things like that. Um, no. And I, I just think, ultimately, or most of the time, it becomes available to purchase yeah, through Yeah, usually uh, you can purchase it off PSN or Marketplace later. Point. So the yeah. thing is, if you really do want everything, you can buy it all mm. later. You know, you just have to wait a little while until it becomes available yeah. in Marketplace. And I guess at least it's just DLC. It's not like in the in the in the uh, music world where you buy a CD and six months later they reissue with three extra tracks and they force tracks. you to go out and buy well, it yeah. again. Well, yeah, what yeah. everyone always remembers on the DLC front still from five years ago is Oblivion's horse armour because yeah. that was actually really useful and should have been in the game and then they charged you 200 Microsoft points for it yeah. everyone got very angry yeah. and everyone learned from that and I think what people are doing now is they're just building an incentive which is perfectly fair yeah. you know if you care enough about Battlefield 3 to go and pre-order it then why shouldn't you have some extra stuff as long as it doesn't unbalance the game yeah well, let's try it open. Uh, let's uh, find out what our listeners think about pre-order stuff, getting extra goodies if you pre-order it. Uh, let us know IGN UK feedback at IGN.com. Or you can uh, hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com slash IGN UK. Or you can come to Facebook and leave us a message at facebook.com forward slash team IGN UK. Or you can send us a letter. You can. Mm. Being if silly. you really want. Yeah. As long as you don't write it in blood, then we have to report that to police. Maybe. Yes. But you can cut out letters from a newspaper. You can do that, yeah. That's, right that's fine. Yeah. Throw in the other ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for this week's news. Uh, last week, obviously, uh, Wii U was announced at E3, and uh, we've done a bunch of bits and pieces on the site. And, well, Kezi, I think you're rather smitten with it, aren't you? I am. Before we do anything about the Wii U, I yeah. just want to say that I think it's a superb little piece of technology. I'm very excited to see what happens. But... They did kind of botch the announcement oh, a little bit. They completely The thing is, though, part of the responsibility for that lies with second-hand reporting not getting it right and spreading confusion, yeah. but that wouldn't have happened if Nintendo had handled it a little bit better. Yeah. We had a big discussion piece about this on the site this week um, that basically looked at all the news we've had and just basically asked, why is there this lack of clarity? Yeah. But to be honest, ambiguity's always been a bit of a feature of announcing a new console anyway. You've got to hold something back to announce in the next few months, or indeed years. This thing isn't coming out for another year now. Yeah, well, there was a report on the site saying, I can't remember who who said it, but apparently Ubisoft. Uh, early 2012, was Yes, it? that's right. They yeah. said spring or summer 2012. Yeah. But there have been a few uh, kind of specific bits of information. That there's been speculation over how powerful it is because yeah. um, it's John Carmack said that it would bring, it was up to parity, yeah. which could mean more powerful, could mean as powerful. Hang on, yeah. I've heard it's 50% more powerful See, than that See, that, that was somebody else. That was... Uh, um, oh, who said uh, that? Uh, um, uh, an analyst called Arvin. That's Batcher. right. That's right. It was an analyst that said it was fifty percent more powerful than PS3. I suppose he's analysed. He's it. been speaking to developers, so it's kind yeah. of secondhand. Also, we had another piece of secondhand information from an analyst, Michael Pachter, who I spoke to on Tuesday. Claims that Reggie told him it could support two controllers, which goes against which goes some against what Miyamoto said. Yeah. Well, Miyamoto said it would only support one, but that's not concrete either. One thing we do definitely know: it won't support DVD or Blu-ray. Does anyone care about this? Yeah. Honestly. I yeah. think so, yeah. If you're gonna have a box sat under your TV, you might it might as well play something. Nintendo have always done they've not they've not um, engaged in this battle for the living room that Sony and Microsoft are all about though. They're yeah, not like so. we want this to be an entertainment device. They're that. like this is a gaming box. You use it for video games. That's it. It's part of the reason that they've actually done successful because they, they've stayed in their yeah. own little market. It's niche. just weird because they're using a high definition format, uh, like you know a Blu-ray style disc, from what I understand. 
Well, there must not, be. Why yeah, not, yeah, exactly. But why not just make it Blu-ray compatible then? Is it a licensing thing? Is it going to cost? It's, it's cost thing. Yeah, it's cost. I mean, they, they just. Uh, I mean, Sony lose so loses so much money on every PlayStation Three sold, and the Blu-ray player, especially in the first two or three years of its lifespan, was ludicrously expensive. But they're not now. You can pick them up for sixty, seventy quid. A well, I think maybe we can infer that the Wii U is already going to cost somewhere in the region of two hundred fifty, three hundred pounds, yeah. and if they add an extra sixty onto that, it suddenly becomes unviable. Yeah. So that would be my explanation for it. But to be honest, I've got something that plays Blu-rays. I've got a PS3. I know that not everybody has a PS3. But well, like uh, Stuart said, you can pick one up for, for 60, 60 quid. Exactly. Quid so the yeah. thing is, it gives you the option. You can, as a consumer, go, I want a games machine. Yeah. yeah. Buy yourself a Wii U. And then you can go, oh, actually, I want a Blu-ray machine and buy yourself a Blu-ray player. Other than having to buy one that does both when you don't want one of those functions. On day of release, cares. I want you to go into uh, a store and say, I want a, a games machine. Yeah. Like that. Like you just yeah. did. Yeah. Last time I did that was when I bought a GameCube, I think. Yeah. Genuine, genuine excitement. Are you excited about Wii U then, genuinely? Yeah, honestly, I am. I, I thought, am as well. Yeah. When you, when you, you look at it, it and you think, and you pick it up, and it's kind of like the Wii. You look at it yeah. and you go, that's not going to work. You pick it up and you're like, it's fun. Yeah, it is good. Because we, Daniel, we, you and I, I think we're probably a little underwhelmed just by seeing the visuals. Yeah, I think, but the difference is you've got hands-on with it. It's a bit yeah. like an iPad. And you said that yeah. once you've play with it you know when you uh, you know, first pick up an iPod Touch or whatever iPhone, iPad and you do the thing with your finger and you go ooh look at that yeah. It's, yeah. it's like it's got that factor you know so you're, so you're messing around with the Wii U controller you, it's you're just... going for a Steve Jobs it's magical <laughs> it's, it's a magical magic. device well <laughs> that's the angle they're going for basically aren't they just see the, the, the reveal trailer the thing about Nintendo is they're very experiential as well they're not like this is what it is this is what it does the are our specs we're so much better than everybody else they're like here are some people having fun and playing with yeah. the console here's what mm. it does here's how it makes you feel and although that is very vague and woolly it's kind of impactful and it's it's what sold so many Wii's. Yeah. Show Helen Millen play, playing a bit of the Wii Wii Sports, not Wii Sports, Wii Fit, and you know it's an experiential angle. Show, just just, just worrying that they're, they're bringing out a two hundred and fifty pound console in the middle of a worldwide recession. You know, I'm just uh, I'm just wondering how well it's gonna how it's gonna do. Three sixty and the PS3 were already kind of embedded. Yeah. Before the world went to hell in a handcart, and I think bringing out a very expensive. New games console now. Well, it's quite it's, a risk. Well, so it's way expensive. Less ex- there's going to be an Xbox 360 sequel probably announced next year. So. And there's a handheld console coming out which costs the same price, 250 yeah. yes. quid or whatever. Plus, so let's, it's let's, not that bad. Let's remember what everything else launched at, which is usually in excess of 300. Yeah. Or well, in the yeah, case PS3 of the PS3, 599 US dollars. Yeah. So, how, do you mo- how much do you think a standalone controller will be? See, that's the question. If it can support two, I think it'll probably be 40 quid. Wow, really? Yeah, because there's no processing hey. tech in there. It's Actually, yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no tech at all. It's basically yeah. just, I mean, it's really light it's when you pick receiver. it up. It's really surprising. You pick it up and you're like, yeah. oh, and it's really kind of, you know, it feels like a light. It's lighter than an iPad, way lighter. It's no glass yeah. and none of this it's touch screen, metal. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's plastic yeah. touchscreen like a DS. It's basically the weight of a DS. If you pick up right. your DS, not a 3DS, but you know, a normal DS yeah. light, mm. pick that up. It's about that weight. Is there a stylus embedded in the controller? Yeah, in yeah. the back. Right. Yeah. Yep, tucked away. But you use your fingers. It's finger friendly. Good triggers. Good triggers. How do two analog sliders right. work instead of sticks? Can you imagine playing a shooter with the sliders? Um, to be honest, I really don't think I would play a shooter with the sliders by choice. But the thing is, if the Wii U controller offered me enough tactical, like cool things, like for instance, in Ghost Recon Online, they're doing a whole tactical map on the touchscreen where you yeah. can put beacons for your people, and right. that's all very cool. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I'd be up for that. But I, I'm not really interested in playing shooters on the Wii U. I want things I've not seen before. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, they they also sure. didn't. The, the tech demos that they had didn't really sort of demonstrate anything to that kind of degree, right. so it's, okay. it's hard to say. It's interesting you say you want to see things you've never seen before, but one of in, uh, one of Nintendo's strategies uh, when they showed it off was saying, look, we've got some big names behind us now. We've got Arkham City coming out on this. You know, we've got the same games coming out on hmm. the other, that, that you get on the other two consoles. That is very, very calculated because Nintendo have basically engineered, this is what the word on the street is, Nintendo have engineered this thing to be super easy to port to from PS3 and 360. So they're trying to get people in, publishers, by saying, look, mm. you don't have to spend very much money yeah. on making this compatible, so why not just release it on Wii U as well? Yeah, which is unlike the Wii. Unlike the which Wii, which, which was really hard different. to port to. I mean, anyone who played a Wii port, I had to review a depressing number of Wii ports of games that were designed for controls that just didn't work. Yeah. So the idea here is that if you port a game that's designed for a controller, it's fine. Mm. But, I mean, I'm interested in the new designs. I mean, the, the, the kind of things that can be done with that touchscreen controller are yeah. very exciting. And I think you have to have like strong third-party support for it to be a success. I think that was part of the problem with the Wii, is that the first-party games I mean, you say the Wii, you say the Wii wasn't a success. The Wii was, you know, by far the best-selling console. But, but in terms of, like, software units sold per console... Yeah, it didn't have traction. Tiny. Exactly, it didn't have traction. Um, whereas if, you know, if... Batman Arkham City, if they do a version of that where that implements the Wii U that does uh, bring something different to the mix, detective I would quite mode, happily yeah. play that. And, and Imagine yeah. Detective Mode being on this screen. Hold it up to, yeah, that's a very good but idea. But will that require a lot of work on part of the developer to do that? That would. Yeah, that yeah. would. But just porting it and playing it with a map on the screen wouldn't. So it all depends how they use it. So but I, case I think always, it's exciting it? and uh, yeah, I cannot wait to sort of play it a bit more. Hopefully we'll get some more hands-on time some point soon. Uh, speaking of which, games that are coming out soon. Um, uh, next week, in fact. Um, Fear 3 is coming out. Anyone excited by Fear 3? No. I would be if I weren't such a massive girl about horror games. I tried, to play, games. I tried to play Fear and I couldn't because I it was too Fear, frightening. It was great. Really enjoyed it. It's too it. frightening. Fear 2 was just more of the same and Fear 3, I'm guessing, will just be more of the same, same. Well, I see. I I felt that Fear Two lost a lot of the kind of suspense and oh yeah, totally. um, thrills yeah. that the first one had. And I must admit, I haven't played Fear Three that much. But you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see. But a game that you do know about, Kezra, I think it's Shadows. Oh, of the Damned. Shadows of the Damned. Suda Fifty One is one of my favourite game developers because he is completely batshit insane in the best Japanesey style mm. way. The thing is, I've always wondered because all of his games, right? No More Heroes, Killer Seven, a lot of his stuff like Flower, Sun and Rain that's really obscure. Yeah. Uh, Michigan Report from Hell, which is a hilariously weird and bad uh, PlayStation Two horror game is the one where you have the camera and you get scored you take pictures of stuff as oh, things right. go on you yeah, get yeah, scored yeah. on how erotic and how uh, horrific yeah. your pictures are so you're trying to get upskirts of the presenter whilst also seeing like you know, right. it's, 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 I mean honestly it's bonkers um, but it's, anyway all his games Daniel are... you're making a note of that game <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm just ordering it now, <laughs> now. you can borrow it from me I've got a signed copy and everything um, his um his games have always been a bit broken. Yeah. So now EA have come along and basically given him an infinite amount of money to make a game, along with you know someone Shinji Mikami, who is a guy who is good at making good action games. Yeah. So what you've got, right? And this is bizarre. You've got a very very slick action game. Yeah. Shinji Mikami, you know, Devil May Cry style, Resident Evil Five, very reminiscent. Yeah. Um, style action game that works and it's very smooth. And you've got Suda Fifty One's totally insane, you know, story and characters and dialogue over that. If you like cock jokes. Shadows of the Damned is definitely for you. There are so many jokes. The uh, the um, second kind of buddy character in it's called Johnson. He's a flaming skull. His name is Johnson. So there are about six hundred Johnson jokes. Wow. Um, basically, <laughs> the what's his, what's the guy's name? The main character, Ga- Garcia Hotspur. Garcia Hotspur <laughs> um, has his girlfriend stolen by an alien, not an alien, a demon with a bigger penis than him. Um, so then he goes into hell to take her back. 
Right. And I um, guess she's not that bothered about coming back. She doesn't seem to be bothered, to be honest. I mean, the the only glimpse you get of, I think she's called Paula or Pauline, but you, you kind of see her. She, she she turns up from time to time in levels, and there was a moment where, where uh, he found her severed head, which then reattached to a body, which then ripped apart from the inside, and a huge demon guy came out and started, you know, chowing down on her legs. It was right. pretty wrong. And then, oh. of course, the comment was, well, that killed my boner. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. Honestly, it's, I can't decide whether Shadows of the Damned dialogue is completely terrible or extremely awesome. It's it's on that line, right. you know. Anyway, one to, one to watch. Line. Definitely worth What uh, sort of a game at. is it, sorry? It's like Resident Evil 5, so it's like a horror action game. Third person. Third person horror action shooter. Right. Okay. Check it out. Sounds quite good. Yeah, yeah. total madness. Yeah. And then also uh, it's Transformers Dark Side of the Moon, which... Kind of you sort of, saw, didn't you? Yeah, well, well uh, Daniel and I played the multiplayer, yeah. which was okay. Um, Very similar to War for Cybertron multiplayer. Yeah. So, if you like Transformers, I think it will float your boat. Um, <laughs> I'm just, that's wow, brilliant. That I'm just, I'm just comparing and contrasting the two reports we got then from Shadow of the Damned and then Transformers Dark Side of the Moon. We had like 10 minutes from Keswick still on the virtues of this amazing game, and then Transformers comes and you kind of go, Nah. But that's because it's doing exactly the same yeah. thing that every other Transformers I game agree. has done. I so agree. Yeah. you know, the thing about Shadows kind of, of the Damned is it get excited. Shadows of the Damned may well not be totally brilliant, but it is interesting. You know. Yeah. Um, what about movies? Uh, a couple of movies out next week. Have you seen Bridesmaids? I, know. I haven't seen Bridesmaids, but it's written by Kristen Wiig. Yeah, and who, produced by Judd Apatow. Yeah, so and directed by a guy who's worked on Thirty Rock and The Office and Arrested Development. Yeah, so tons of press. Absolutely, it's getting tons good of reviews press. as well. It's getting good reviews. Chris has seen it. He said it's good. I think yeah. that was his general consensus. Yeah. I think there's a review from he South by it. Southwest on yeah. the site. He saw it a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Akira's coming out. Yeah, um, which I saw a uh, on the big screen for the first time last year or two years ago at the Barbican. And if if anyone's familiar with Akira. Uh, it's a, obviously a big manga film, probably with the most famous one. You should definitely go see it at the cinema. Cause it's a amazing. Re-release. Re-release. Yeah, it's to celebrate the 20th yeah. anniversary of manga entertainment, and it's Pretty got one of the most incredibly this. amazing soundtracks you will ever hear mm. in, a, in a movie. I've always, wanted to, I've always the, wanted to see it in a cinema. See it on the big screen. It is mind blowing, um, and the visuals and everything. So if you've never seen a manga film, if you've never watched anime, I would yeah. definitely recommend you go see that as a good sort of starting. Point. And then watch Urasaki, Urasaki Dojiji, Legend of the Overfiend. Afterwards, ever seen that one? That's oh. brilliant. Yeah. So that's it for films, uh, I guess. Well, Green Lantern. You well, went, yeah. So, so Green Lantern came out, comes out this week. Yeah. Today, you went, if you, went, you don't yeah, know, you went to see it. Um, we couldn't talk about it last week because it was an embargo. I went and saw it last night, and uh, it's a movie that exists. That exists, and I can't really summon up any more enthusiasm for it than that. Oh. It's pretty. Um, there's nothing that memorable about it. Mm. Actually, I can't remember really what happens in it. Peter Sarsgaard's good in it. He plays like a slimy, he plays um, the guy whose head goes massive and he's really creepy <laughs> and really slimy. But Ryan Reynolds is in it. That's about it. Blake Lively's in it. It's completely forgettable. Just completely forgettable. Yeah. I was literally nodding off in the last five yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's but good. And that's like in the climax as well. I bet it's loud, isn't it, when he does the test pilot bit? I bet that's really loud. No, in fact, the test pilot stuff is, is really good. It's like yeah. Top Gunny, but um, other than that, it's two hours that flew away and I can't remember what happened. You'll never it. get back. No. I was reading an interview with Ryan Reynolds today when he said, you know, I went in there and just acted in front of a, in front of four green walls and he said, and they still had 75% of the movie to do once I'd left. And do you kind of get that feeling when you see it that there's, once again, a disconnect between him and yeah. what's actually going on around him yeah. because so much of it is green screened? I think the problem in it is that they rely a lot on Green Lantern lore, which 
no one really knows. So if you go into it not really knowing about it, they give you so much information about what's happening in the background that you don't actually need. To make a good Green Lantern movie, you need to start off with his backstory and him finding the ring. You don't start off with the Green Lantern core living thousands and millions of miles away on a planet that doesn't exist, dealing with things that don't exist and all this sort of shit. It needs to be his story at the core of it, which it it, it isn't, Mm. um, which is a bit of a shame, really. So you kind of lose the the human interest in the story right from the start. I wonder if that will affect Warner Brothers' decisions to um, greenlight other DC franchises. Yeah, I just think Greenland's a hard sell, and I yeah. don't think they've gone about it the I right way. I don't think Hawkman's any easier, though. No. <laughs> Hawkman? Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Or, Ma- Martian yeah. Manhunter. Yeah. I'd like to see them do that one. Um, anyway, that's yeah, that's Green, Green Lantern. I mean, if you're a fan of Green Lantern, then go check it out. I'm sure there's something in there. Which people will do anyway, yeah. but it's just a bit of an average, or very we get, average. We had a lot of negative comments on, on the review, though, saying, oh, IGN being negative again. It's like, well, have you seen the movie? Yeah. It's very average. Yeah, and it's not even as good as Thor, and the, even I thought Thor was average. So but not even a patch on, obviously. X Men. No. So. Yeah. There you go. Okay, uh, listener feedback. Let's head over and see what our listeners have got. Kings to say. Ferno gets his oar in. He says, "What ho, chaps! I think you're missing a trick. You have a great feedback section in the podcast, but if you think about it, I reckon you'll agree that it's not feedback; it's follow up. So I'd be honoured if this was the first note you read out in the new fu section." <laughs> So yeah, See so what he's from done now there. on, it's FU. Time for the big FU. FU. Yeah. So right, there then. you go. Who's got the first bit of big FU? Yes, Keza. Adam Sweeney says, "Hey guys, hello Adam. Personally, I like the Wii usability to play games on the controller, as my TV with my consoles is just outside my bedroom door, and I can't see it from my bed. So if I'm sick or just feeling extra lazy, I can pop my game onto the controller and go lie down. His TV is just outside yeah, his I can't, bedroom I don't door. Uh, see, no, I had that as well actually in my, in my old flat. I lived in a two be- two roomed flat, and right. you know it was it was you know uh, a living room and a bedroom. And when you opened my bedroom door, you could see the TV almost, right? Like you know four or five feet away. And I did play most of Mass Effect Two from my bed because I just went and turned the television and did that. So. Yeah, I agree with you, Adam. I think that's an excellent idea. I still play the majority of 3DS games just lying on the floor, to be honest. I kind of You've not got any sofas? I have got a sofa. Sometimes <laughs> I lie on that. That's good. <laughs> it's definitely an insight into your uh, yeah. habits here. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a bare room with, with no sofa yeah. and 16 games consoles. That's where I live. They're prison bars or something. Mm, yeah, it's a rough bit of London, you know. <laughs> You can't have anything or it'll get stolen. I did see some reporting on the Wii U controller about whether or not you'd be able to do it from the loo. Did anyone It's a, Basically, it's a, it's a matter of distance. If your loo is less than you know a few feet away from your games console, you're fine. But probably, I think they haven't been specific. No. Right. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's got a, a specific piece of tech in there. You can't, I, you, toilet, you can't it take it away. You it. can't take it away with you. Because it has no. to be it has to be streaming from the Wii U. Because there's no actual stuff in the yeah. in the controller. There's no processing so going, stuff. Is it going directly from the Wii or via your router? It's going from the Wii U. Okay. Like directly beaming. Okay. Yeah. Beam to your controller. What kind of beam? Is it RF? No one no, knows. No, no one, one knows. knows. Uh, next bit of feedback. He's got the next FU. Um, hi guys, this is from Andreas. And put Nuremberg, Germany, on your imaginary map. Been listening right from the start, and love you guys. Oh, it's we nice love you it. too. Yeah, we're going to get a map sorted soon. Yeah, we're coming to way, Germany apparently. soon as well. It's what? Coming to Germany we're soon, aren't we? we will be, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a point about um, the Wii U, actually. After the Wiimote, the balance board, the pedometer, the Wii Motion Plus, I will scrutinise Nintendo's support of the Wii U controller for a single year before I even think about buying another piece of plastic from them. Good I think that's a yeah, classic let's, example let's be, of a, yeah, of that's, a that's confusion. misunderstanding. Yeah. Let's be completely clear here. The Wii U is not an extra piece of plastic for the Wii. Yeah. It is an entirely new console. 
So it's not like you have to buy another controller for your Wii. I mean, it's new console, it's got HD, it's much more capable than the Wii. So it does play Wii games. And it, it plays will Wii games and it Wii probably will. It, will prob- it supports Wii peripherals because they're trying not to piss ev- precisely because they're yeah, trying not to yeah. piss everybody off who's already bought loads of so plastic. So the Wii U might actually help to reduce the amount of dust that is collected on all these previous I'm hoping so. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Did he get a pedometer? Anyone anyway, get a pedometer? Pedometer. Pedometer. Oh, is that how you say yeah. it? <laughs> right. I thought it was uh, something. A pedometer. Uh, yeah. A pedometer. Well, I've got a Pokemon pedometer. Right. Still, uh, and I've got my my 3DS play coins, which I you have your 3DS in your pocket. You walk around, you get play coins. It helps you to defeat ghosts. So that's good. I went to Japan recently and uh, tripled my Street Pass Plaza population. I've got one online. I've got and that's 384. Wow. Check wow. Yeah. But you don't have Miyamoto. Oh no, yeah, I was in a room with Miyamoto at E3 for about an hour and a half and the person next to me got his me on Street Pass and I didn't. Oh. I was devastated. And then I queued up to have my picture taken with him and he did five people and then left and I was the sixth. Oh, oh no. The Miyamoto E3. completely cussing you. Do you know, I've missed, out, I've missed out the opportunity to interview Miyamoto four times in my career now. Four times. Really? And the next time, is, I just, I don't even well, that's care why. why. He's been waiting. Yeah. <laughs> he's waiting for the like, opportunity well, you know to turn me down personally. You know, fourth time... I'm not going to have my picture taken with you, Keza. <laughs> you can kiss my ass. Oh. And I'm going to take my me with me. Uh, I've got a piece of feedback from uh, Jack Bergen. Sorry, a piece of FU. Uh, you guys discuss it briefly about how the PS3 straight PS Vita combo could replicate what the Wii U will do. Mm-hmm. Looking at it, it won't only be able to do it, but do it better. Uh, it goes without saying the PS Vita will be a better piece of hardware than the new Wii U controller simply because it will have its own processing power and more features. Again, comes back to misunderstanding what the whole this whole thing is because mm. it's not just about the controller it's talking about the console the Wii U console anyway so Sony is missing a trick because they're not saying anything about it if they played on this they could really blow Nintendo out of the water so it's this one game on Vita which I think was called Ruin, Ruin I think Ruin it's a dungeon crawler yeah oh still my beating heart it's a dungeon crawler <laughs> which you can play on PS3 and then pick up your save on the Vita but to be fair it looks really cool not the, right. the actual game not sold on, but the the concept. Yeah. I mean, he's right in that the Vita could do the same thing as the Wii U and could do it better. Yeah. But um, you know, worth stating again that the Wii U is going to be more powerful than the Vita. Yeah. Definitely. So. You know, uh, and also, um, you know, this is not one game that it can do that on. It's every game. I'm presuming. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It'll be standard. Theoretically. The Vita. I mean, the thing with Vita. Now, I talked to. Um, the, Andrew the Wii House. U. I was talking about. Sorry. Oh right. Yeah. 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 I talked to Andrew House, who's the head of Sony UK at yeah. E3, and he said, basically, we're hot on this Vita thing. We think it's a good idea because we tried to do it with the PSP and no one really took advantage of it. Yeah. So this is not a direct quote, obviously. Sorry, Andy. But uh, he said that they were keen to explore that with the PS Vita, but that it's not, there's not actually a development framework set up for it. Right. It's, it's going to be difficult for developers to, to work it in, more difficult anyway than presumably for the Wii U, where okay. it will be just part of the development process. So it's all about how developers handle it. But yes, it does have the potential to... Definitely equal the Wii U. Yeah, I well, think but developers in, in can't respect, assume. Anyway. Well, not every not every PS3 owner will own a Vita. That's another very very good point. So you can't yeah. make a game that exclusively uses the Vita in a way that the Wii U will mm. use its controller. Because every Wii U owner has a Wii U controller. Yeah. Whereas not every. So, this is one of the reasons why having two controllers is a question as well. Because people, you can't make a game for two controllers when five percent of your audience has two controllers. Yeah. It's kind of like the same as making a game for Wii Motion Plus. Like, there's no point. You can't sell to ten percent of a huge number. Mm. So unless every single person who had Wii Motion Plus bought your Wii Motion Plus game, it's not worth it. And similarly, if two on a similar point, if you made this, you know, one of these asymmetrical gameplay kind of games where you need Wii remotes as well, do you think the Wii U might ship with Wii remotes? It's got to surely. The Wii U's got to ship with Wii remotes. 
Yeah. One would assume. I don't know. Which again is or, a mixed message, I think. Or uh, maybe some kind of, you know, new remake of a Wii remote. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they're using old remote, Wii remotes. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, you're wondering what they show up with, right? Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Well, it's all mm. stuff we're going to find out, I think, in the next year, six months to a year. Nintendo are traditionally cagey. Yep. Uh, Grant Thomas has emailed us. Grant from Kent. Hey guys, I heard this week on IGN that Robin would be in Arkham City if you pre-order the game. So I thought I would draw how I think they should make him look. I know you guys are looking forward to Arkham City, so tell me what you think. And I know you guys would be honest and say it was shit if you thought. I know the picture ain't that great. And the colouring pens I had to use was shit, but please let me know. Love the podcast. So The unveiling. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> wait Sorry. doesn't it look like Stu when he holds it up next to maybe that's the idea I like it I actually think it's quite good Stu is wearing a Robin outfit so yeah, I like Stu it. is wearing a Robin outfit but I don't think Robin's ever had a beard has he but Stu doesn't have those such an idiot. You're such an, it's a Green Lantern outfit can you tell I'm not that familiar with his but Stu does not have buff. those pectorals either let's be honest uh, he has he's wearing a fat suit oh yeah. cool so Grant, so yeah, I like it. I like it too. Yeah, I like it too. I think that's very good, Grant. Well done. His his eyes look like an I'm infinity fi- symbol. I'm trying to figure out how old Grant is. <laughs> yeah, Grant, if you're ten, that's amazing. His his email. If you're forty three. His, yeah, his email not so does impressed. contain 1991 in in it somewhere. So oh, so that means he's, he's 20? 19. 20. No, 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 no. People who are born in 1991 aren't 20, are they? Yes, they are. Oh no, that's terrifying. Um, I'm going to put that on the podcast story, and yeah. I might superimpose Stuart's face on it. Please do. You should okay. do. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. I've got next bit of feedback. This is from a Stephen. No F U. Oh, uh, sorry. The next F U. This is from Stephen Arselman, who is in. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, he's included his uh, pronunciation because he's Dutch. Okay. Oh. So that's Stephen Arselman. He says, hello, what I find funny is that I know there isn't a single English accent whilst I'm Dutch, yet you English make it seem that there is only one Dutch accent. Um, this is after Chris Tilley's um, Dutch, Dutch, impression. Yeah. Dutch impression. There are far more different accents in Dutch than there are in English, apparently. So he did go Ooh. and explain it in yeah, a lot of that's detail. That's a um, so, But I'm not going to read it all out. But yeah, basically, thanks for letting us know, Stephen Arselman. Evidently, I sound like a Dutch person when I speak German. Really? Yeah. Go on, give us an example. Anscheinend höre ich wie eine also holländische Person aus, wenn ich Deutsch spreche. Very. Is that what happens because you're Scottish and you try and speak German? Is that why? No, we're better at German because we can do the H for Loch and Buch and Tauf. No idea what you're talking about. We can do this the H noise for Loch. Like, can you do that? For, try, try and say Loch. 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 Okay, loch. you can all do it. Bollocks. Yeah. English people are not supposed to be able to do it. You're supposed to go Loch. But you can all do well, it. I can say lock as well. Yeah, I don't yeah say, but if you try and say lock, oh, you're supposed it. to just go lock. my keys. I've locked the door. <laughs> <laughs> you should start doing that, though. Okay. I'm going to. Um, next bit of feedback. Follow up. He, IGN, up. he, IGN crew, says Ollie K. Here's a question. What gives Microsoft the right at E3 to feature Modern Warfare 3 in their conference? Money. It's wait. Sorry. <laughs> I've not finished. <laughs> it's not like it's single platform and what's stopping Sony from featuring it too regards Ollie well Ollie as Alex has hinted you've got it the wrong way around here 
Um, Activision probably didn't go to Microsoft and say, please, please, Microsoft, can we show Modern Warfare 3? Microsoft will have given them a shit ton of money exactly. in order for them to be able to showcase it at the Xbox yeah. conference rather than Sony being able to com- to uh, showcase it. So, yeah, money, basically. Microsoft will have paid a lot of money. Microsoft to- have the exclusive on the DLC, don't they, for a few months. The exclusive oh, for a few months. The DLC. Yeah. For a few so months, yeah. I guess it's probably tied into that. So Microsoft all, all basically paid an cash. awful lot of money. They're very good at this with third-party developers. Yeah. They pay a lot of money and I'll they see. get people to showcase things on the 360 so that people conveniently forget they're even on the PS3 did it, that's the did idea it for uh, Grand Theft Auto they did I it thought it was a bit of a, a, a wet start to the press conference because it was all stuff that we'd seen before and it was underwater <laughs> yeah, exactly. good. yeah good <laughs> I didn't actually think about it. we'd that, seen yeah. it before but everyone watching millions of people watching on streams hadn't seen it before no, really I thought all that stuff had been out already I don't oh, to be honest stuff. I've paid so little attention to the Modern Warfare yeah. 3 reveal because to be honest I'm much more excited about Battlefield 3 yeah Sorry, Activision. Right, next bit of FU from Ryan Archer. He said he just wanted to say he loved the E3 shows. Yes! But, but the intro was amazing, and I wish he would use that as the intro to all the podcasts. So, uh, give a bit of background on the intro Well, the intro music. was actually done by my mate, so I'm actually starting to think that he might have set up a fraudulent email account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that is the sort of thing he would probably do. Right. He's a shameless self-publicist. Really? Well, it's yeah, funny no, no. you should say that because um, yeah, my friend's called Blow Mauer. He's a he's a composer for film and television and, and um, podcasts. Yeah, and podcasts. Yeah. Now. Yeah, can you give any insight how he did it? What was it? Was um, it a song? He did like a did like a deliverance reworking. Yeah, it was the taking, UK. But podcast. did he have yeah. to figure out what the tune was and then? I think he did. Yeah. Wow. He's got well done, Blair. He's got a lot. He's got a lot of really really expensive software to replicate like an orchestra sound. Right, and a right. time. But time now he just well. uses the banjo. Right. <laughs> um, and then we've got a little PS as well. He said, I, I like Dan, sad Dan, when then he stopped doing the show. Now I hate him. Boo Dan. Boo Dan. Boo Dan. Does uh, Dan never do the show anymore? Rarely. Oh. It was only when we were in, a, in the US that he, uh, he did our little E3 on the road. Three and E guys. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny you should say about uh, a fake email address because this is from uh, Inquis- Inquisitor Ravenstein. Um, saying it was nice to hear Mr. Kilby's depressing tones back in the airwaves again, but is there any way of getting the full version of the American podcast tune? I'd certainly pay money on <laughs> iTunes for it. So. I'm sure my friend wow. would sell it to you. Yeah. That is the full version, isn't it? All that is, that is all 30 seconds of it. Yeah. Of it. That's it, yeah. It's can we, can we host sweet. it somewhere? You could put a middle eight in. Um, Get him to do that. <laughs> well, uh, Get why, to do a 12-inch remix. Yeah. Why, why don't you, at the end do of this sweet. podcast, put the full thing in there so people get it as a little... I did last bonus. week. Oh, there you go. It, but it is it's literally 16 seconds long, and that's mm. it. Yeah. So, uh, that's it for my piece of feedback. And that's it, I think, isn't it? I think you've got one bit of... I have one more piece of feedback. Well, it was actually left on iTunes, uh, and left uh, this week by Mr... Mr... (laughs) Sorry. Mrs. or Miss Deborah Jolly. Uh, And obviously, I always uh, ask for feedback on iTunes, um, but she's got some bad things to say about her, so I wanted to address her complaints. So, she says, the biggest complaint about our podcast is the misinformation that we give. Um, Uh... The only example she gives is that, um, so we discussed, and I can't remember if this was, it must have been on the E3 podcast, about how EA took a a little swipe at Activision at the EA press conference, which is true. But then apparently we failed to uh, reveal that future, sorry, we failed to review that Activision will be offering most of the features EA talked about for free with Call of Duty Elite. But we spoke about that in the previous podcast. Yeah. I think we've been fairly upfront about, you know, what, well, as far as we're aware, what you get for free with Call of Duty Elite and you get a basic service. Yeah. Uh, and I think what we were talking about in that podcast was just the fact that EA is taking a swipe Activision. So, I don't know. Next bit. Um, apparently, we, we mocked Activision 
but that's only because they're a money grabbing bunch of <laughs> bastards, quite frankly. That's fair. Um, you know, and they killed Guitar Hero, for which I will never forgive them. And, yeah. and you know what? It's not Activision. It's the the lead. It's person. the corporate. Yeah, exactly. It's corporate. That's. I just think you know, to some extent, they're destroying. Um, you know what was fun about games, mm. um, and that's why I think you know we criticize them i think they do some good games and i have no doubt that modern warfare 3 will be it's not about the games people that's the thing the games yeah. can be evaluated on their own merits um uh her next point was um if one person seems to the, oh so the, so apparently we've got some strong voices on the podcast who tend to beat down other people it's only dan <laughs> <laughs> i think everybody else is fairly kind of well informed and uh, i don't think we tend to beat down other people's opinions do you keza I love beating down people's opinions. Do you? Right. No, not really. But I, I just think, you know, if uh, we've got a bunch hey, of people criticism. on there. Hey, an absolute, but uh, hopefully I'd like to address some of that yeah. and, and give our kind of story back. So, And then finally, uh, this podcast is not about games. It also involves movies and comics, but you get little of that compared to gaming. But that's, I would say, a true reflection of what the IGN site is about. It's yes. probably 70 75% games with a bit of the other because obviously we don't cover all movies we don't cover all comics but and we talk about if we what we feel is interesting that week if we split up into a separate games and then movies podcast it would be a well, logistical listen, nightmare IGN covers PlayStation extensively in podcasts podcast yep. beyond you can listen to that you yep. can listen to the Xbox Achievement Unlocked one if you really want to hear about Xbox you listen to Nintendo one if you want to listen to that you've got a you movie to, one you've got a movie one uh, we've got ones done by the female editors new yep. comics one now comics one yep. yeah so we cover everything so the IGN UK one is covers what we do from here so and, and, the, 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 and the idea of it being and it's an important not area not many of those <laughs> um, it's just it's a snapshot of what we feel is important to the UK games industry right now so I hope that clears it up and, and Deborah, she's going to continue listening to Podcast 100 uh, and if she feels as though that uh, her opinion changes then she's going to change her review so I hope that's helped address some of the things so anyway Thank thanks you, very Deborah. much for your feedback and uh, yeah, as always if you do want to leave us feedback well you can do it either through uh, our kind of email address which is ign.ukfeedback.ign.com or on Twitter uh, Twitter's got twitter.com slash IGNUK yeah or come to Facebook at facebook.com forward slash team IGNUK uh, but of course you can leave your feedback on iTunes but uh, yeah make it five stars that'd be nice thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah that's it for this week's podcast thank you for listening as always and uh, well we'll be back same time next week can we put a shout out for podcast 100 we yeah. can do so it's happening know. in 10 weeks time from nine now weeks time. 9 weeks time from now after this podcast so we're hoping to do something very special and very exciting which will involve your support and your involvement so if you want to pledge your allegiance to podcast 100 then drop us an email uh, we may ask you to participate in something exciting but yeah. we just really want to get the feelers out there to see what people are interested in doing so if you have any suggestions for podcast 100 then let us know via the usual ta- channels yeah. uh, we will try and do something very exciting and very interesting for you to take part in hopefully involving free stuff hopefully i'm sure there will be free stuff but also yeah more details as and when uh we have them so yeah Yeah, listen out uh that's it and uh we will see you same time next week Bye. hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.